Welcome to the Three Strands Podcast. We hope you'll enjoy the sermon you're about to hear. At Three Strands, our mission is to create a culture of redemption where people are free to experience the truth and grace of Jesus Christ. All right, so if you haven't been here for the first few weeks of this series, we're in this series called Fear Not. And uh, we're talking about um, how to overcome our fears. And, And there's some fears that aren't like the regular kind of fears. We're not talking about fear of heights or the fear of loud noises or the fear of spiders or things like that. But um, we're talking about some fears that maybe we haven't talked about very much in church, and maybe um, you didn't even know who to talk to them about, and maybe you didn't even know they came up in God's Word. And so we're trying to uncover some of those things, see what God has to say about those kind of fears, and, uh, and put them to rest, put them to bed, right, so we can um, live a life without fear. And so to do that, we're going through the Christmas story, and we're looking at these different characters in the Christmas story that had angels show up to them. And each time the angel says, don't be afraid. But then instead of telling the people to not be afraid because he's there and he's an angel and he's kind of intimidating and scary, he kind of addresses the deeper fear underneath the surface. And, and, and uh, we're kind of looking at those deeper fears and what God has to say about it. So if you're here back in week one, we went the whole way back to the Old Testament. And we looked at where God shows up to Moses in the burning bush and uh, the bush isn't consumed and God speaks to Moses from the bush and he says, I am. And we talked about what that means for God to be the I am, that he's Um, everywhere, all at once, giving us his proximity and his promise and his power. And that's really the antidote for all of our fears, that that God is with us, that God has an unlimited amount of power, and that he's made us some promises that he won't won't abandon, they won't forsake, right? And so uh, we're kind of coming back to that each week and then digging deeper into different fears. And if you were here in the second week, we looked at Zechariah and Elizabeth, and an angel shows up to Zechariah, and it was kind of the fear of being stuck. And I shared with you guys, if you will embrace God's love, it will help you get unstuck. And if you missed that one, you can go back and listen to it. But it wasn't just God loves you, because I think most of the people in our room probably think God loves them, but it was, does God love you the most? And if you really embrace the idea that God loves you the most, it'll help you get your life unstuck. And then last week, if you were here, we looked at the shepherds, and the angels showed up to the shepherds uh, in in the field, and it was a fear of being insignificant. They just had this ordinary, regular job. And uh, we kind of concluded that if you'll embrace God's purpose for your life, you'll find your significance there. But every time you reject God's purpose and you kind of pursue your own kingdom or your own purpose, then you lose significance. And today I want to talk with you about another fear that's going to show up in this Christmas account. It's the fear of being labeled. And um, I, I don't know, maybe you're here right now and you feel this fear currently in your life. Maybe you know what this feels like. Maybe you've dealt with it for years or decades. You've been labeled over and over again as something. Um, Our world loves to label people. And um, that isn't unique to outside the church. Church people like to label other people too. And that's discouraging sometimes, and I know that. And so uh, if you've been labeled by people in a church, I just want to apologize on their behalf. They probably wouldn't apologize, but I'm going to apologize for them. How's that sound? But people label you for all kinds of reasons. They will do this to you if it hasn't been done already. And maybe you're here today and you're well aware of the label other people have of you. Um, Maybe it's an I'm an addict or uh, I'm just a criminal or I'm a divorcee or I'm a failure or whatever the the label might be. They throw it on you, they slap it on you and it becomes kind of how and what they know you as. And uh, maybe it's been that way for so long that you start to think they're right. They're right. That's what I am. Just a failure. 
And I want you to know that I think today God has something for you. I think God has some answers for that fear. I don't think you have to be trapped in that fear. I don't think God wants to allow anybody out there to label you. I really don't think he wants to allow anybody in here to label you either. I think he wants to be the one to label you. And so if you'll have ears to hear God's truth today, and if you'll have eyes to see God's grace for you today, I believe he has something for you in your fear of being labeled. So I started thinking this week about, you know, being labeled. I, I can relate. I feel like I've been labeled as many things in my life. Uh, I feel like there are people all over our area here. I'm not even from here. I didn't even grow up here. But I think there are people all over our area that have labeled me a lot of different things. Um, I hear some of those. Sometimes you hear them about you, I'm sure. Maybe sometimes you hear them about me. I don't know. So, but um, sometimes people just post them on social media. Sometimes they say them to your face. But most of the time, they just talk about them behind your back. And uh, that's hard for me. Sometimes that is hard for me. I want to just be real and honest about it for a second. I, I get that a lot. I'm pretty sinful. I got a lot of like baggage in my life. And uh, there's a lot of people who have, over the last several years, come to our church, gotten plugged in, really love it, seem to love it, and then they disappear. And then through the grapevine, I get to find out um, that the reason they disappeared is because after coming here for a little while, they got to talking with somebody about where they were going to church, and that person let them know how like unqualified and how disgusting and sinful I am. And uh, that's hurtful to me, not because I really care so much about what they think of me, but more so because I just hate how that is kind of wrecking like something good in somebody else's life, where they were like kind of connected and plugged into something awesome, and then it gets ripped away from them. But I can relate to that. I know what it feels like to have people label you as your worst mistakes, or to have people label you as something from your past, or to have people label you as something you struggle with right now and just can't seem to kick or get over. And you don't want to be known as that thing, but that's what people know you as. And, and I started to think this week about, like, why do people do that? Why do I do that? I'm probably guilty of that. There's some people in my life I've labeled. I've labeled them to be a fool or an idiot or just, you know, a jerk or, uh, you know, all kinds of things. Why is that? I wouldn't trust myself around them. They're not trustworthy. I label people all the time. Why do we do that? And I really came up with two reasons why I think most people label others, why most people have labeled you different things. And so here, here's what I came up with. I don't know if this is true or not. But this is what I think, at least. I can't necessarily prove this from the Bible. This is just my own opinion to kind of start off today. But why people kind of label us. The first reason, I think, is because they're ashamed of who they are. Now, they would never tell you that, okay? They're not going to be like, oh, I'm labeling you because I'm ashamed of who I am. But, but if they can label you as something that they perceive as worse than themselves, then they feel a little better about themselves. So in kind of cutting us down or cutting you down, somebody else can kind of make themselves at least seem to feel better about who they are as a person. And, and so nobody wants to feel like the worst person in society, and so if I can look at others and I can kind of like cut them down or label them as something worse, then it's like I, I start to feel, I don't know, a little less labeled myself, right? So they're really deep down, they're really ashamed of who they are. The things that they hate about themselves, the things that they don't want anybody else to know about them, by labeling other people, they can kind of keep those things hidden or keep those things not as on the forefront because 
Why would anybody talk about that stuff when there's somebody worse to talk about or something worse to address? And so they're ashamed of who they are and and it makes them feel a little better than you. They're never going to admit that, but that's really what's going on. And then there's people who label others because they're really jealous of who you are. There are those who are labeling people because they're ashamed of who they are, and there are others who are labeling people because they're jealous of who you are. And, And so there's some people, they just can't stand the thought that somebody else has something they don't have. Or even in the church that God is blessing that person. Do you know what they're like, God? Like, why are you blessing them more than you seem to be blessing me? They just don't like the idea that somebody else is having a good life that seems to be better than theirs, and they want what they have, and so envy and jealousy creep in, and that becomes the source of why they start labeling others. Oh, yeah, they've got that, but do you know what they're like? I see what's happening there, but do you know that the truth about them is, you know, they're a thief and a cheater and a liar. It won't last because they'll probably fall back off the wagon. They don't even deserve that because they're such a jerk, right? And deep down, they're really just jealous of what you have. I don't know if that's the only reasons that people label others. Those are the two I could think of this week. But whatever their reason is, it's a scary thing when you're on the other side of the label. It's a scary thing to get labeled by other people. And and that fear causes us to do some crazy things. It causes us to leverage our time and our abilities and our finances in ways that really aren't healthy or good for us. But in order to kind of keep up with everybody else, we got to make sure we do that stuff. In order to save face, we got to make sure we hide that stuff. And so this this fear inside of us of what other people are going to say about us, you know, it's really connected to the idea of peer pressure. If you think about it. I don't want you to know what's wrong with me because I don't want you to label me. I'm afraid of what you'll think of me. I'm going to run away and hide all the stuff that's bad about me so that nobody else will label me is something less than. I'm going to pursue all the things I don't have so nobody can ever accuse me of not having what other people have. It's like this fear of not being as good as everyone else. Peer pressure. The fear of being labeled. And that's really what's going on in our story. But if you think about it for a second, I was thinking this morning actually about this, like you might be sitting there thinking like, well, I'm not really afraid of being labeled. I don't care what other people think of me. I, I think deep down, that's really a lie to yourself. And, and I think the proof for that is pretty simple. Like, if you got picked up right now and transported to a deserted island all by yourself, think about how many things in your day right now you do that you wouldn't do then. Because all those things that you do now that you wouldn't do if you're on an island all by yourself, they're all things you're really doing Because you're concerned about what everybody else thinks. Now, some of those things you should do, even if you're alone. Like take a shower. That's a good thing, whether you're alone or with people. But there's a lot of things we do just to make sure. You probably wouldn't look in the the mirror very often. If you're all by yourself on an island, who cares? But think about how many times you look in a mirror on any given day. You just wouldn't care if you're all by yourself. But, But we deep down are really concerned about what other people think of us. That's the scene that's going to show up in this story today. Matthew chapter 1 is where we'll be the whole time today. If you want to flip there, you can. But this character in the story, Joseph, it would be Jesus' stepdad. Joseph 
is about to do a 180 degree turn in his life. He had a five-year plan. He had it all penned out. He knew exactly what he was going to do. And he's about to go in the exact opposite direction. He's about to sacrifice a great life to settle for a lesser life. And he doesn't know it. But it's all because of this fear, the fear of being labeled. So let me start it off for you. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's stop right there for a second, okay? Let's not be super judgmental or label Joseph, all right? Let's put ourselves in Joseph's shoes just for a second. You're engaged, and, and your fiancé comes to you one night, and you're excited to see him. And this is the story they give you. It's really three things. It really tells them three things. And I want you to be honest about how you'd feel if your fiancé gave you these three pieces of information, right? She says, i got to tell you something. I'm pregnant. Okay. Maybe that'd be a big deal. Maybe that wouldn't be a big deal until you stop and realize, like, wait a second. We haven't slept together yet. This is not good. So you start to think to yourself, like, well, well who is it? Who's the guy? And then she says, like, well, piece number two, I'm actually still a virgin. And so now you're thinking, like, not only is she a cheater, now she's a liar. Because you're like, come on. Like, I have to be an idiot to believe that, right? Like, you cheated on me, and now you're saying you're still a virgin. Like, come on, right? And, and, and so then you're ticked off, and you're angry, and you're like, I don't even know if I want to get married. I'm, I'm going to break off this relationship, right? She's, she's cheated on me. She's pregnant. And now she's lying, saying she's still a virgin. And, and, then, and then you're like, come on. Like, I know you're lying. You're pregnant. And then she's like, well... Actually, the Father is the Holy Spirit. And so now you're like, well, not only is she a cheater, and not only is she a liar, but now you're like, she's kind of cuckoo, right? I mean, isn't that what you're thinking? It's easy to read the story from start to finish, and like with hindsight, be like, oh, yeah, here's what's going on. But if you're Joseph in this story, I mean, you're not happy. Your fiance, you thought everything was perfect. You're about to get married to the girl of your dreams, Life is good. You got a good job. You're a carpenter. And, and everything you need is like kind of right in front of you. And then she's like, hey, honey, I just want to tell you, I'm pregnant, still a virgin, and the Holy Spirit did it. And you're like, come on, man. How would you react? What would that be like if you were Joseph? Imagine if you decided to stay with her. The things that would be said about you. In that culture, in that time, to be pregnant outside of marriage, you were like an outcast. And so even if it was Joseph's baby, even if Joseph and Mary had crossed some like physical lines and had sex and she had gotten pregnant and he was the dad, even then he'd have got labeled. If that had been what happened, he'd have been the fornicator, right? The one who doesn't obey the law. She, she literally could have been stoned to death if he wanted her to be. I'm not saying that stuff's right. I'm just saying it's how it was. And then if the real story that she's telling was the story Joseph stuck with, if he was like, okay, baby, I'm going to stick with you, thick or thin, me and you, whatever, you know, and he sticks with her and he's like, anybody that asks, hey, I, it's your wedding day and usually the bride looks good in her dress, but she looks like she got a little, uh, you know, like bump there. Like, is she pregnant already? Like people would know. 
And then he was like, oh, no, no, it's, it's all good. It's not my kid. It's not my kid. Then they started labeling him as like, like, what are you doing? Like, you're going to raise somebody else's kid? And they're like, no, no, you don't understand. She, she hasn't been with anybody else. She's a virgin. I mean, come on, man. Are you an idiot? No, 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 you just don't get it. Like, like the Holy Spirit put that baby inside of her. And they're like, Joseph, you're just a fool. No matter what he did at this point, he's going to get labeled. And I'm going to show you in just a second that he's afraid of that. But let me show you what he really did. Here's what he did. Probably what most of us would have done in verse 19. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, although he could have. Like I said, he could have dragged her into the town square and they could have stoned her to death for cheating on him, even though she hadn't. So he decided, that's a good thing to underline, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Now, because Joseph is a righteous man, he's not looking to get even. Does that make sense? I want to just challenge all of you guys who say you love Jesus, who say you're trying to follow Jesus. Don't be out there looking to get even. People are going to label you. They're going to treat you poorly. They're going to mistreat you. They're going to say all kinds of things about you. Don't be on the hunt to get even. Don't be so happy to sue them or to tell everybody else how they mistreated you. Just take one for the team. As a righteous man or a righteous woman, don't look to disgrace them publicly. And, and so Joseph was a righteous guy, and he didn't want to shame her, but he couldn't, he couldn't stay in this relationship. I mean, who would at this point? And so he decides to break the engagement. And just kind of do it privately, kind of secretly. She's like, I'm out. I'm out, he says. And really, who would blame him? Who would blame him at that point? And so nowhere in that text does it actually say that Joseph was afraid. I don't know if you noticed that or not. I'm going to show you why I say he was afraid in just a second. But it doesn't say any of that about him. It just describes him as a righteous guy who wanted out. Right? Right? And maybe you're here today and you're like, I love Jesus and I want to serve Jesus. But if you were in this exact situation, we'd probably write the same verse about you. Oh, there's there's that person. There's there's you. I don't want to say anybody's name, but like, I don't want to like uh, speak ill on your relationships. But it's like, if this happened to you, we would look at you and be like, they're a righteous person. But like, man, they just couldn't stay. They just couldn't stay engaged to that person. They just had to get out. We'd probably say the same thing about you. It doesn't say anywhere in there that he was afraid, but it does say, it does say that he decided, that he decided to break the engagement. And I was thinking this week about like, you know, we get into a lot of trouble when we feel fear and we start to make decisions on our own without consulting God first. And if I look back at my life, I think like almost all the trouble I got into probably came from me making decisions that God wouldn't have made and making decisions that I hadn't asked him about first. And so here Joseph makes this life-altering decision to turn 180 and walk the other direction because he's afraid. Now let me show it to you because an angel is going to show up and save the day. In verse 20, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Now listen to what the angel says and to what the angel says to not be afraid of. 
because it's going to reveal what he is afraid of. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Okay, maybe I'd believe it now. Maybe you'd believe it now. I don't know, right? An angel said it. Like maybe you'd believe it. Maybe you'd wake up. It's interesting. It's the only one of these accounts that happened in a dream. But it's interesting. You might wake up and think you just ate something bad or something, you know. Like here in this dream, the angel says, like, don't be afraid to marry Mary. Right? That's what he tells them, right? Don't be afraid to go ahead with the engagement to finish off this thing and get married. Don't be scared. It's all good. Everything she told you is the truth. It's promised from God. It's words from God. You can bank on them. You can trust her. Go ahead and get married. And uh, it's interesting, again, that he doesn't say, like, don't be afraid. It's all going to work out. Don't be afraid because you'll be a good dad even though you weren't preparing for this. He just says, like, don't be afraid. And then he says, I know what you're afraid of. Now, maybe he was afraid because he thought his wife had lied to him. Maybe. Or his fiance had lied to him. Maybe. But it seems to me like he wants to break this engagement. And the fear deep down could be that she was being dishonest with him. But it seems like the fear is probably like, what would people say if I stuck this out? I'm getting out. I don't want to live this life. This isn't what I signed up for when I got engaged. This isn't the life I was looking for. And I love how he starts it off by addressing him by name. But not just his name. He also tacks on his royal heritage. Joseph, son of David. And I love that. It's like he's saying, like, Joseph, son of the king. Joseph, the one who's got royalty in his blood. Joseph, the one who's destined for greatness. I feel like God would say that to us when we're afraid. He'd be like, Carson, the one who I've got great things planned for. Opie, the one who's got royalty in your DNA. It's like you're so scared to let people think something bad of you, but like, man, I've got greatness planned for you. He's like, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Everything she said is true. And then verse 21, he says, and, you, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. The word Jesus literally means Savior. Some people will say the Lord saves. Same word as you get the Old Testament Hebrew word Joshua from. Gets uh, switched later on in the Old Testament from Joshua to like Yeshua. And then we kind of translate that today into the word Jesus. But they both mean Savior. And that's what the angel says. You'll name him Jesus because he's going to be the Savior. He's going to save people from their sins. J- Joseph, don't bail out now. Everything she said is true. You come from greatness, and I've got a good plan for you. Imagine if Joseph had walked away right then. God could have probably figured it all out, right? Could have found somebody else. If Joseph had walked away right then, you wouldn't even know about him. He got to name the Savior. He got to be part of Jesus' life growing up. He got to teach him how to be a carpenter and, and how to live life. God had this great life planned for him. He was ready to turn around and run because when he got a little afraid, he started to make some decisions without asking God first. How do I sum up the angel's message? It's kind of like this. He says, like, this is who you are. 
This is, the tr- this is a true message, and this is what you do now. This is who you are. This is a true message, and this is what you do now. I don't know if you recognize it or not. That's the same message God's saying to you. This is who you are. This message I'm giving you is true. This is what you do with it now. I got purpose for you. I got a plan for you. I got a good life for you. I love you. All these things we've been talking about. And so you look at this, and I look at this story, and I think to myself, like, why? Why Why is this even in here? It almost feels to me like another one of those unnecessary parts of the Bible. Like, why? Why didn't God just decide he was going to just pick a single girl? Like, why is he picking an engaged girl? Why is Joseph even in the picture? If he'd have picked a single girl, she wouldn't have had to awkwardly tell a fiancé what was going on, right? Why didn't he pick somebody who was already married? Why didn't he come to Mary and Joseph after the wedding? At least then, nobody would have known if it was Joseph's baby or not. They wouldn't have faced any uh, community backlash or ostracism. Why? Why does he come when they're engaged? Why does Joseph have to be part of this story? And then you find out in the Old Testament. I'm going to read it to you in Matthew chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. They start quoting Isaiah. He says, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet, Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 7 and 8. You can look that up on your own sometime if you want. But word for word, here's what it says. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. They called Jesus Emmanuel, the one who God is with us. And his name would be Jesus, the one who saves. But they would all call him God is with us. God is with us. But why did uh, Joseph have to be in this picture? Why did it have to happen like this? Because the label is what God was looking for. God wanted people to know she was a virgin. God wanted people to know they weren't married yet. There's no way this was Joseph's kid. Something happened here. What happened? This is all part of the prediction and the prophecies about Jesus. What are the odds that this would come true? Impossible. Impossible. Virgins don't get pregnant. Impossible. This was all part of God's plan. It was all on purpose. It was all the way he wanted it to be. And so what changed with Joseph? Let me show you the last couple of verses of this story. Verse 24, it says, When Joseph woke up, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. What did he do when he woke up? He just obeyed. Now, that doesn't seem like a big deal. Oh, I just named the kid. Got married and named the kid. Well, I did that. Anybody could do that, right? Got married and named your kid. But remember, right before this dream, he was out. He was out. Like He was leaving. He was ending this thing. And right after the dream, he's like, you know what? I was going the wrong way. I'm going to turn this ship around. I'm going to start going the direction I was going originally. I'm going to start going the direction God said to go. I might get labeled for it. People are going to say stuff about me. And and honestly, like the labels that Joseph faced were even worse than he imagined. Because not only did his pregnant, engaged fiance have this concocted story to tell everybody about the Holy Spirit did it, but then he would give birth to Jesus who would grow up to be hated by a ton of people would be called a heretic and a drunk and a glutton. 
And Joseph's his dad to them. So they're like, look at you. All you are is an enabler. You're just raising somebody else's kid. You're a fool. And, and I don't know if they'd have called him fornicator or fool, but like, man, he'd have been labeled a lot of different stuff. And so he turns around and has to change every piece of the decision he wants to made, to, wanted, wanted to make to obey God. Now, I wrote this in my notes. This is going to fly over some of your heads, but I, it, <laughs> I don't know. But, but if it does, just hang with me for a second, okay? So I just wrote in my notes that this is not going to be a bash on Kentucky. Kenny, Kenny thinks I'm going to bash Kentucky people with this. Not. This is going to be a bash on people that don't watch kids' movies. Because I thought to myself, I was like, oh, he turned around. He was going in one direction, and then he turned around, got his whole life in sync. And then before you know it, along came a, comes a baby, and there's a whole new kid on the block. I put that in my notes, Kenny, and I was like, but we just watched Trolls, Rock Band, or, uh, Trolls, World, uh, Trolls Band together, and so uh, it's in my head, but anyhow. So he has to like change his complete direction and start going away. It's going to be uncomfortable, and it's going to label him. So here's what I want to do today. Just a short, simple story from God's Word for us. True, but just an account from the Christmas story. And I want to uh, just leave you with three principles from this story. Can I do that? Here's the first one. You ready? Jesus sets you free. Now that seems simple. It seems like something here in church a lot. But I want you to know if you're here today and you feel like you are what they all say about you, then Jesus hasn't set you free. And he's the only one that can. I mean, he was going to come. We're going to call him Jesus because he's going to save people. He's going to save people from their sin, from their shame, and from themselves. And so if you're here today and you believe deep down that you are all the things that they say about you, then you're not set free. But Jesus wants you to be set free. If that's you, all you have to do is ask him to save you. Why? Because he's Jesus, the one who saves people. That's what he does. If you want to talk more about that, I'd love to talk with you about that. You don't have to be a slave anymore. You don't have to be chained up to some label somebody else gave you. You don't have to be tied down to some mistake that maybe wasn't even your fault 20 years ago. You can be free from all that. That's what the Christian experience is like. Free. Free. If you don't feel free, you can be. I'd love to talk with you about it more. But just ask Jesus to save you because he's the one who sets you free. Here's principle number two from this story. You ready? Your obedience is way more important than their opinion. And if you're here today and you're a Christian, that ought to be like your mantra because they're not going to love you. They're not going to think what you're doing is wise. They're going to think you're a fool. Why would you give your money to that? Why would you waste your time there? Why are you giving all the best years of your life to helping those people, to doing that? Why? Why? Your obedience is way more important than their opinion. Here's the last principle from this story. Ready? Only the one who made you has the right to name you. Imagine if I was at the hospital. We were at the hospital. Sydney was born. She was just baby girl X at that point. I don't know. The, the, our baby's born, our first baby. And I'm like, let's name her Sydney. And we name her Sydney. And they put her on that little tag that's on the side of the you know, crib at the hospital so they don't lose your kid, thankfully. And uh, then somebody walks in 
not even somebody I know, just a stranger. And they one line, Sydney, and they just write in something else. I'd be like, what are you doing? You don't get to name my kid. I made her. I get to name her. I feel like that's what God thinks when he looks down and he sees somebody else trying to name you. He's like, who do you think you are to name what's mine? What I made? They don't have any right to name you. Hey, you don't have any right to name you. If you're believing all the things they're saying about you, you don't even have that right. Imagine if my kids were like, Dad, I don't really like Logan. and change my name to something else. He's like, no, you're not. I gave you that name. You're mine. Someday you'll be an adult. Go your way, my friend. Go your way. But right now, I get to name you. I don't care what you say. I'm going to keep calling you Logan. I feel like God looks down at me. He says this, like, I don't care what they say about you. They can call you dirty. They can call you inadequate. They can call you not a real preacher. They can call you a bad dad, an awful husband. I don't care what they say about you. I'm going to keep calling you my kid. You're mine. Only God gets the right to name you. I don't know for you, but one of those three principles is probably something you needed to hear today. I'm sure of it because we are all afraid of being labeled. But you need to know Jesus wants to set you free from that stuff. You need to know that obeying him matters way more than what they think of you. And you need to know that he's the only one that gets to name you. And he calls you things like my child, my masterpiece, the one I love the most. He never looks at us, calls us loser. He never thinks of us as a divorcee. He never thinks of us as unfaithful. He never thinks of us as inadequate. He never thinks of us as criminal or addict. He always just looks at us and thinks, man, I love that one. Man, I love that one. I want them to be free. If they would just obey me, they'd get such a better life. I hope they don't settle for less. So I don't know what your life looks like today or what labels you've believed, but I hope that in this next couple moments, you would just have a heart-to-heart with God. And maybe that heart-to-heart sounds something like this. God, I've never really felt set free. Will you set me free today? I'll believe whatever you say. I'll do whatever you tell me. I just want to be free. Will you save me? And Jesus will save you because he's Jesus, the one who saves people from their sin, the one who saves people from their shame and from their mistakes. He does that. Maybe that moment, the next couple moments for you needs to be a conversation with you and God where you say, God, I've been so concerned about what everybody else thinks. I've been trying to spend all this money to keep up with them. I've been investing my time in all kinds of stuff that you wouldn't even tell me to do. I've been secretly living this lie and afraid to tell anybody about it because I thought they'd label me. But from now on, my obedience to you is going to be more important than anybody else's opinion. I'm going to get honest I'm going to get obedient. I'm going to get plugged into everything you say to do. Or maybe that conversation for you just needs to be like, God, I believe so many awful things about myself. But no more. From now on, you're my dad. From now on, I'm just going to think of myself as your kid. I'm not going to let anybody else name me, even myself. I'm only going to let you name me. I would just challenge you in the next couple moments to have that conversation with God and get honest about these principles. Are you living the life God wants you to live or are you living a life out of fear from all the labels being thrown at you? You get to choose what you're going to do with that information today, like always. Like always. We're going to teach you the truth. We're going to give you all of God's word. 
We're going to present it to you, I hope, in a way that communicates how much God loves you and what he wants for you. But at the end of the day, you get the choice to be a hearer of the word or a doer of the word. So I want to just challenge you to have a heart-to-heart with God and do the word. Don't just listen and go out of here and have it be the exact same Christmas. Let it be a brand new Christmas, a Christmas, a Christmas where Jesus actually saves you, not just brings you presents. Can I pray for you, dear Heavenly Father? Thank you for our church. Thank you for the beautiful picture of Christmas. Thank you that unlike all other gods, you were willing to give up your glory to come live on this planet with us to do all the things I couldn't do for myself. You're willing to die in our place and you're willing to offer all of us freedom and a a path that will lead to success and, and an identity found in you, God. Thank you for those things. Would you just help the people in our room to have enough courage to speak honestly with you and then to track somebody else down, just get it out loud. Talk about where their life is at. Talk about the labels they're afraid of. Talk about the mistakes that they carry around. Talk about the shame they feel. And just let you set them free. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Wow, we hope that encouraged you and will push you to know Jesus better. There's no better life than a life that is completely dependent on God. Be sure to check back each week for new podcasts from 3SC.